Hey, cocktail historians, here's a preview of my new podcast, Generation Green New Deal. On the night of November 12th, 2018, about 200 young climate activists, mostly teenagers and 20-somethings, gathered in a church in Washington, D.C., about a mile from the White House. They'd be staging a protest the next day, but on the night before, the details were still a mystery to most. We drove down there not even knowing what the action was at all. All we knew that something big was happening. <laughs> That's Sarah Duckett. She was 23 at the time, and she was one of the protesters who traveled from Boston to D.C. to do something. Yeah, everybody from across the country was was coming to D.C. for something. They didn't even really know what was what was going to happen yet. And I even pulled my little sister in as her first action ever as well, because I was like, Jackie, this is going to be big. So she came down with me. Sarah, her sister and the rest of the activists settled in. They said their hellos, hugged old friends and introduced themselves to new ones. There was a communal kind of summer camp energy in the church. There were group stretches, sing-alongs, folks started setting up their sleeping bags. People were excited, but a little nervous. It felt very um, good to be there with those people because I felt like I was in the right place. Um, but yeah, it was also nerve wracking um, and like awkward because none of us really knew each other. The crowd took seats in the pews. A 24-year-old organizer from Boston named Varshni Prakash took the mic. Through crackling speakers, she told them how big tomorrow might be. The thousands of people that we can move, the millions of people that we can reach alongside our partners and comrades in this fight, can actually build a force powerful enough to transform our society and economy over the next decade. I really believe that that is possible. Then a pair of unexpected visitors showed up. And I still didn't even know it was going to be such a big deal up until we were there. Up until AOC walked in, that's when I was like, oh, shit. Shit's going down right now. But <laughs> but, but she also came. She and Rashida Tlaib came. And having them there, I was like, whoa, there's something greater happening here. A week earlier, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, commonly known by her initials AOC, had become the youngest woman ever elected to the U.S. House of Representatives after a shocking primary victory. Jackie, my little sister, was next to me when they walked in, and I did the thing where I grabbed her and just shook her, and she was like, ah, stop! Because <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? And um, I, I looked around to and everybody's faces were the same as mine. It looked like it was a shock to everybody, and I was like, what the fuck? What is this? AOC took the mic and stood up on a table. We need you to make the pressure. Yeah. We cannot do it alone. We need to have backup. We need to show people that this is a fight for our fucking lives. Yeah. Alongside AOC was Rashida Tlaib, one of the first Muslim women ever elected to Congress. The two had spent the day in their congressional orientation. Now they were about to take a huge risk by joining forces with these young activists. What you are going to do tomorrow morning is so critically important because this is the time to not let up. It's time now to speak up, sit in, push back. AOC and Rashida's presence meant a lot for those activists. Here's Varshney. 
I think for the first time in my life, I felt deeply like we had politicians in office who had our back and who were fighting for us and who looked like us and who cared about the things that we cared about. It was transformational. I am just After their speeches, everyone gathered around AOC and Rashida to take a photo. Then the activists ran through the plan for the following day. They were going to stage a sit-in at the office of the most powerful Democrat on Capitol Hill, Nancy Pelosi. They pulled out hand-drawn maps of the Congressional Office Building and rehearsed where everyone would stand. The two main teams this afternoon is the A team and the B team. The A team is the team that's saying, I am ready to stay. It's no day until somebody else takes the move. A lawyer briefed them on the implications of getting arrested by the Capitol Police. She could freak out and call the cops on us inside, but there's a good chance that they will not be willing to arrest us in the office. And they made sure they had enough bail money. There was like the um, understanding that we were going to be sleeping on the floor in the church that night. And like I was worried about how tired I was going to be because I had just done like a seven hour car ride. Um, but it didn't matter, you know, like there wasn't enough, oh, there wasn't enough food for everyone at dinner the, the first night I got there, too, which was funny. I was like, you know what? It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> we were just like, we're really just here to stop climate change at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of feelings, a lot of feelings going on, but really, really mainly excitement. I was so fucking excited. The next day, they filed into Nancy Pelosi's office and set off a whirlwind. Environmental activists joined by the New York Congresswoman-elect Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez occupied House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi's office with a More than 200 protesters demonstrated outside her Washington, D.C. office. This week, actually, there's been tremendous pressure from young people, part of the Sunrise Movement. The gamble that AOC and the protesters took that day paid off. In fact, the response was beyond their wildest expectations. It was this unbelievable moment where climate change through the Green New Deal was catalyzed into the national conversation in a way I have never seen before in my lifetime. A Green New Deal. How do you achieve the Green New Deal? Green New Deal. The Green New and Deal. And over the, the next 48 hours, we saw over 5,000 articles written about climate change. Climate change suddenly became one of the major issues in U.S. politics after years of being ignored. We are beginning to learn more about where the Democratic candidates stand on the issue of climate change. Cable network dedicating seven hours mm -hmm. of coverage. Democratic primary voters chose climate change as the top issue for the next president to address. Science tells us we have nine years before the damage is irreversible. Since the Pelosi sit-in, the Green New Deal has become a key part of the progressive platform. We're fighting for the future of this planet, and the Green New Deal that I support will create up to 20 million good-paying jobs. It's also become a boogeyman for the right. Democrats unveiling their radical extreme Green New Deal today. And moderate Democrats worry that it's dangerous political territory. Some moderate 
moderate Democrats what in the heck is this? have said the Green New Deal is unachievable. I see it as aspirational. The Green Dream, or whatever they call it. And a losing political strategy. But undeniably, our politics has been pushed dramatically by the movement for a Green New Deal. This podcast is about the people who are doing the pushing. Over the course of this season, we're going to take a look at how the youth climate movement has had a huge impact on the current political landscape. We'll hear from activists, policymakers, and people on the front lines of climate change. We're going to hear about how scrappy organizations led by teenagers and 20-somethings have embarrassed politicians, knocked powerful incumbents out of Congress, and brought the U.S. closer than ever to actually addressing the issue that will define the future of humanity, climate change. This is Generation Green New Deal. To hear the rest of this episode, go search for Generation Green New Deal wherever you get your podcasts or go to generationgreennewdeal.com.